So this is her. So she goes, oh, I'm Sheila. I'm so glad to meet you. I, I hear you used to be Terry. Oh. <laughs> Terry. <laughs> <laughs> so. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Authors of Inspiration. This is a podcast meant for the unheard misfits to share their stories and lives because They've been my inspiration in life, and I think that goes for all of us here. And um, I also have to say, I say this every time, but we want to hear your story if you're listening to this now. Um, so reach out to us at our Instagram, at Authors of Inspiration, um, and we're about to start a new segment on there where we talk to you guys and friends and different people just to hear a story, probably as an Instagram Live or in an interview probably five to ten minutes we're gonna start that soon so stay tuned but also reach out to us because that could be a great opportunity to get to know you more so uh with that said with that out of the way let's jump in y'all i am your showrunner dylan and i am your co-host wyatt and with us today we have cole sankey running audio visual most of audio cole how are you doing this beautiful day i'm doing good Wyatt. how are you doing quite well and our author of inspiration today is renowned acclaimed terry earwood he has been working within religious organizations for 26 years he is now the uh i almost said associate pastor he is the pastor of uh, family family pastor at cornerstone community church in simi valley california terry thank you for coming on the podcast today how are you i'm doing fine thanks for having me look forward to our time together yeah so i uh i also want to preface by saying i always got to preface something with this podcast (laughs) (laughs) we had another guest lined up um basically coming in at two and we were about an hour out from this this podcast and they had to bail out so we're like oh shoot who do we call and we called terry they're like, well, I could be back at 3.30. Like, well, shoot, Wyatt's got to be gone at 3.30. Can you come in at 2? He's like, let me get back to you. And then here you are. Just an hour later, you're here at 2. I don't know, 3.30, what's going on there? We joked around that you were talking to your mob. That you're involved in the mob somehow. I don't know. Well, my motto is... Call me something nice and don't call me late for dinner. So, hey, <laughs> y'all going to feed me when I get done? We'll yeah. be good. Yeah. Awesome. All this to say, thank you so much, Terry, for being oh. here and doing this. Yeah. Well, Terry, we, as we interview and talk to different people, we take different approaches to uh, everybody's life. Everyone has a different kind of starting point that we uh, like to hit on. But as I was thinking about your life, I thought we could start somewhat at a young age. Um, I know that you were not born born and raised in Southern California. Uh, you were born somewhere far more south and a little bit more, uh, you know, what is it called? Twangy? Uh, twangy routine, yeah, you know? The South Bronx. Yeah, the South the South Bronx. Yeah. So tell me, tell me a little about your upbringing. Where did you grow up? What city was it? What was the vibe? What were your, the people in your life? Just a, a summary of that. Okay. Uh, well, I was born and raised in Marietta, Marietta, Georgia, and uh, a lot of California connection to Marietta because Lockheed uh, is in Marietta, and a lot of Burbank Lockheed people and Palmdale Lockheed people came out in the 80s, uh, and so, um, but grew up there, uh, got two brothers uh, two older brothers. My mom and dad divorced when I was eight. And so mom worked a lot 
a couple of jobs through uh, my adolescence and teenage years. And so uh, my brothers and I had a lot of freedom around the house, which wasn't good for three boys in the <laughs> South. Um, and we were, you know, uh, average kids. But uh, I, uh, I started figuring out partying pretty early in life. Mm. Uh, in fact, um, I'm not proud of this, but uh, my first major uh, drug that I took was the night before sixth grade started. And uh, that was the year that they moved junior high to middle school. And so we were kind of the first sixth grade class that was going to be going into this huge middle school. And so um, I had a buddy of mine, his mom worked at the 7-Eleven. I'm going to tell the whole story. And uh, <laughs> she worked at 7-Eleven, and we would trade, I would trade weed for beer. Hmm. And uh, Thelma was her, her name, and great lady. <laughs> And um, she said this particular evening, hey, I've got something else that I think you'll like other than beer. And she gave me hmm. this drug. And uh, So this lady, I mean, did you have to lie to her about your age? You're like, hey, I'm actually I'm 18, or did she know? No, no, yeah. I was friends with her son, Chuck. We were the same age. Oh, no we way. were 12. <laughs> <laughs> I did look 15, but, you know. So, uh, yeah, I, uh, I was a jock um, and a freak, so we called frocks uh, in our day. Uh, but a- uh, athletics kept me out of trouble. Um, I played football and baseball um, in high school and all the way through in summer. And, uh, and that, was, that was kind of the life that people knew me as. Um, and... You know, I would hide my partying life, um, but I was very intense and very angry teenager. Um, I was, uh, you know, really uh, lost without my dad, and um, he he was in the Atlanta area, but um, he was struggling too, so we didn't see him a lot uh, until I was a junior in high school. He started coming back around, but... Um, I, uh, I met a girl and started dating her um, in my sophomore year, and she also kept me out of trouble a little bit. And uh, the way I kind of tell my testimony is uh, that I was searching for love, and I was um, searching for it in relationship. I was searching for it in drugs and in, in, in accolades and, and athletic awards. And so I worked really hard in uh, a couple of those areas, and um, drugs and hmm. a- athletics probably more than others. And so I first found out about God through this girlfriend that I was dating. Not and, Sheila, right? Yes. Different girl. Oh, what was it? It, it was, was Sheila. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And so... In sophomore year? Yeah. I, we actually met my freshman year in Daytona Beach, Florida. Oh, no way. Yeah. High school sweethearts. High school sweethearts. And for anyone listening at home, Sheila is, in fact, um, Terry's wife to this day. But yep. uh, we'll have to let the story unfold there, because I think there's, mm-hmm. a, there's a few rocky roads that I'm sure you'll yeah. get to, Terry. <laughs> so we lived, we met in Daytona Beach, of all places, from the same county uh, in Georgia. And so when we got home, uh, we lived far enough away where I couldn't drive. I wasn't old enough to 
drive unless I, you know, swipe my mom's car, which <laughs> I did that a few times too. Um, but uh, anyway, so I had to wait until my sophomore year before we started dating and I could drive out. And um, I hid my drug life from her. She had no idea. And we dated two years. And uh, she, uh, it was not a healthy relationship. And it was not a good choice for missionary dating for her. And so uh, she um, really started pursuing the Lord and uh, surrendered her life to Jesus. And she couldn't have two gods on the throne of her heart. So I went bye-bye. I got dropped. Hey, I got dumped for Jesus. Dump for That's Jesus. pretty good, though, right? Dump for Je- That's the name of Terry's autobiography when he uh, dump for Jesus when he baby. really takes it so that it takes the pen to the paper here soon. So, uh, hey, you know, if you're gonna get dumped, get dumped for him, right? Exactly. And uh, worthy sacrifice. I'll speed this up, but that was that was kind of my beginning of understanding there was a whole nother world out there of of God and religion and church. And up until that point, I I may have been in church three or four times, and it was probably VBS when I was in kindergarten or something. Um, my mom always uh, went to church. She went to United Methodist Church, and she prayed for her three boys because we were you know we needed a lot As of prayer. As they were stealing her car, she was at the church. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, anyway, I uh, after we broke up, I was uh, really searching. Because that was one of the areas where I, I felt like, hey, life's difficult, but this is great. And I can't believe that, you know, I've finally found this relationship that satisfies me in every way. And then it, it broke. Hmm. And it was similar, you know, um, feeling that I had when Dad left. Hmm. And I can remember this day, you know, Dad packing up his brown uh, suitcase and walking out the living room and, you know, giving us hugs and saying that uh, they would work things out, and and they didn't. And so when Sheila said, hey, you know, we'll work things out, yeah, you know, it didn't give me a whole lot of hope. But uh, it did um, allow me to come to a place of kind of brokenness in my life. I was uh, angry and, and prideful. And, and a guy at school, he wasn't really a close friend of mine, a guy named Keith Lawrence, and uh, loved Keith to death, and uh, Keith was uh, a new believer, and he was just excited about what Jesus was doing in his life. And so he came up to this, you know, freak jock and just said, "Hey, man, you, you're not doing good." And uh, we got a meeting at the church tonight. Love for you to go. And I kind of laughed and said, "Nah, not not tonight." And uh, that was Monday. Tuesday he came back, and I was pretty stoned. And then Tuesday he came back to me. I said, "Keith, man, nope." I'm not going to do it. And uh, he kept on. I said, look, bro, I'll go tomorrow night if you never ask me again. And he said, okay, tomorrow night I'll come by and pick you up. And so, you know, he came by and picked me up. And the first time I heard uh, the message of Jesus' story and his love relationship, his pursuit of a love relationship with me. And um, I I decided that night I was going to – find out as much as I could about it, and uh, that kind of changed the trajectory of my, my life and um, started helping me to see. I didn't, 
I didn't change immediately. I was baptized about a month or so later, and uh, the, the preacher at the church had left, the youth pastor had left. So I had brought a ton of my friends, and, uh, you know, there's probably, I don't know, there's probably 80 to 100 of us. I had brought my, the whole football team, everybody, and we kind of all got baptized. Our youth guy was, he was really cool, and he knew how to deal with a bunch of, you know, idiots. Um, <laughs> but he left. Hmm. And so, unfortunately, people, ju- you know, the older people just didn't really know what to do with us. And so I didn't grow in my, f- in my faith for probably two or three years. And so uh, in that time, I uh, went to college, played a little football, came back, and um, about three years had passed when I came back, and I uh, met my wife for the second time. Remet your wife. Remet my wife. And uh, we had not seen each other for five years. And we crossed in cars. We crossed railroad tracks. And so we had to slow down. And we waved at one another. And now, th- well, this, Terry, this is a cool story. And this, yeah. this is, I want, I want to, I want to stay here, right? Okay. Ride this wave for a second because this is, I mean, this is out of a, Tom Hanks, you know, sleepless in Seattle, beauty of a movie. You can't write this poetry. Like this is, <laughs> this is a Bob Goff high hype of you know height of height of luxury right now. So, t- so you guys, you guys cross at the railroad tracks, and what what happens in this moment? Do you is it like love at second sight? Oh yeah. Does your heart skip a beat? Do you like does it flutter and fly? It may have started beating at that time. <laughs> I don't know that our heart beat at that time. But, <laughs> um, yeah, it was uh it you know, magical moment maybe. Um but uh, we had stayed in touch uh probably the first 2 years uh, after we broke up a little bit. And her mom was in a nursing home for 20 years in the same room. Uh incredible lady, loved the Lord. And so I when I came back from college, I sold food in the food business and so the nursing home was one of my accounts so i kind of kept up with mama wiley yeah and it's, uh, how you, it's how you get there it's how you get to the woman you go, yeah. through, the, you go through the mother go through the mother <laughs> yeah <laughs> once you get the mama's heart you got the girl's heart you got the daughter's heart all day long you hear that listener if you if you need to find love try to win over the mother first i should get lorna yeah. martin some flowers you for should. mother's day yeah well, and you were sitting with her Sunday, that is so true. that was good. Yeah, I was I, proud of you. I didn't have my eyes closed during worship because I'm very distractible. But you know, that's just because it's outside. But well, well it's, a, it's a it's a whole other whole other topic. Mm-hmm. We'll get back to it. Mm-hmm. You and yeah. you and Sheila's the spotlight. <laughs> so uh, we had we'd crossed paths, and she had just mentioned it to her mom. She said, "Oh, you, you're never going to believe who I saw today." You know, Terry or what? And um, it kind of. Fell by the wayside for a couple of months, and she was dating a guy and had been dating for a little while, and I was dating a girl. And actually, um, the church that we were attending, they were kind of you know putting pressure on us. Hey, when are y'all going to get married? And we were serving together in the student ministry. And You and uh, your girlfriend at mm-hmm. the time? Okay. And so um, we went to youth camp, and this was uh, about two or three months after Sheila and I crossed. And um, I came back, and that whole week I was down at youth camp. The pressure was, you know, 
rising for me to ask her and I just I I didn't I didn't have any peace about it. I'm on the I'm on the floor on my knees asking God, God is is this the right thing and right thing? And so um I you know, got off my knees and went to bed that night, woke up next morning, same thing, started praying, phone rings out of the blue, and it's Sheila's mama. Oh yeah. Mm. And saving the day. That's the ticket in, everyone. Yeah. And she said, uh, I, you know, this is Jeannie. I got Jeannie. I know who it is. And she said, um, you know, and she knew I was dating this girl. And she said, you know, I don't want to cause any problem or anything. Um, if, if they ever say that, a future mother-in-law. They're, they're trying to that. cause problems. <laughs> they're it's, trying. It's good. That's a good thing. Go with it. Go with it. Just say, oh, no, no, you know, it's okay. Um, and so she said, hey, uh, I think it'd be great if uh, if you would call my daughter and, and talk to her. She's, you know, in a serious relationship, too, and, and she's really struggling. She's, uh, you know, thinking that he's going to ask for her hand, and She's not ready, and so, okay, so I called Sheila that night, and uh, first time we'd talked in five four, five years, and uh, we started talking on the phone, and then um, we went out, um, and about three weeks later, went to uh, Six Flags of Georgia. Six, hey. this, uh, this is a bit of information I didn't know. Oh, no, Six you didn't know that. Six Flags over Georgia. Six Flags over Georgia. Wow. Mm-hmm. For those of you uh, keeping track at home, I'm a bit of a Six Flags connoisseur, uh, Magic Mountain. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Oh, you got to go to Six Flags over it's, Georgia. It's on the list. It's actually, it's one of the three main Six uh, Six Flags over Texas and Six Flags over Georgia. How many are there? Uh, 17. Oh. Yeah. So you, you go to you go to Six Flags over Georgia with, yeah. your beautiful, with beautiful Sheila. Yep. And uh, wait, Did she break up with this guy at this point? Uh, not they, yet. Not, oh, so, okay. Yeah. So both Pitch, of you were still together. <laughs> But you were just friends hanging out. But, and you yeah. were also with your lady at the time, correct? Yeah. So you yeah. both were in serious relationships going to Six Flags together. I yeah. love it. Yeah. I'm here for it. Yeah. Um, that I don't recommend. But um, so we kind of, you know, hey, burn me once. Okay. Burn me twice. Mm. You're not going to burn me a third time. So she dropped me once. Dad dropped me, and now my heart's guarded. Oh, snap. Big time, right? And so I got them both. After about three, and then we had a, a lunch, hey, you'll love this, at Piccadilly. Oh. And those in the South will know what Piccadilly is, but it's kind of like a um, an upscale farmer, uh, what was the... Buffet kind of place y'all had hometown buffet hometown buffet it's kind of upscale hometown buffet yeah, they the, the chicken's <clears throat> real at this one it's not yeah. just okay got it so uh, after uh, that was our third kind of meeting and so I knew uh, there was electric electricity in the air yeah um, but you I had, was holding on you had problems to my old one yeah. well. Things are going really, really good. In fact, they're going too good. Of all things, they go to the same college. Sheila and your and your and your girlfriend at the time. 
And oh. out of oh. nowhere. How many people were at the college? So, uh, probably at that time, probably eight or 10,000. So it's a large college. Oh, my Lar- goodness. Yeah. And uh, they're in the bathroom at the same time. Does Sheila know about this girl? She knows about this girl, and that girl knows about Sheila. <laughs> so what happened, Terry? So because Sheila know, goes. Did one of them not make, make it out of the bathroom? Some, <laughs> some somebody on the floor. Somebody said, called out the old old girlfriend's name, and so Sheila goes because it was a it was a different name, and so she immediately thought, oh, so this is her. So she goes, oh, I'm Sheila. I'm so glad to meet you. I, I hear you used to be Terry. Oh. <laughs> Terry. <laughs> so I lost them both oh, within no. 24 hours. Wow. Yeah, not proud of that. That was not one of my better moments. That's the third. And that was the third. Hey, but I mean, that time, I caused that, that was on one. you. Yeah, yeah, that one was on. And that was a double whammy. Yeah. So, you know, lessons I learned from that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot. <laughs> um, but um, so Sheila was gracious enough to say, uh, you're a scumbag um, in a nice way. If you know Sheila, I, yeah. it, it may have been, you're kind of a nice scumbag. Um, <laughs> but uh, She would have made you feel really good about it About being though, a still. bad scum Yeah, toilet scum um, So I just After a couple of I guess it was two months Just really uh, You know I had to make a decision And by faith I just said God I, I'm going to trust you with it I'm going to you know, honor both of them And not You know, use either one of them and um he allowed sheila to open up her heart to me and so we started dating and so wait how did that com- how did that <clears throat> follow-up conversation go what, what what yeah how did you approach that with me trying to get back with yeah, her or yeah. when i was busted um i'm i'm more i mean i'm i can imagine what happened when you're busted but yeah. you trying to get back with her how did that conversation go so I feel like that's just at that point you're just going for an hell mary and hoping that something happens. Yeah, um, you know what? She kind of left the door open for me um, to say, "Hey, when you figure this thing out, then we'll talk." Oh, and um, that doesn't mean I'm going to be here. But when you figure this thing out, you know, if that's a phone call to me to say, you know, you're going with the other girl or. If that's a conversation, then I'll be open to talk to you. Okay, so she was worried that you were still maybe wanting to be with this other girl. Uh, maybe, but her approach was, you can't have us both. Oh, yeah, well, it's yeah. fair. Wait, yeah. so so at that time of the, the bathroom incident, yeah. she wasn't dating the guy anymore, right? She had already broke it off with okay, the guy. So she, oh. he, okay, so, so at that time... You were kind of, you know, hanging out with both of them. Yeah. So then when they met, they were like, oh, you're still. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Now it's clicking. Now yeah. It's making more sense. <laughs> yeah. That, and that probably was more of a, that was probably more of a collective anger than more, I guess, you know, mad at each other, perhaps maybe, or was it, was it more they just were, they just kind of 
don't know. Maybe 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 not worth delving mm-hmm. into the details there. But yeah. Well, so. What did you say? What were your words like, baby? I love you. I, I'm over <laughs> um, this one, girl. <laughs> I uh, no, I, I I did see the. I, I saw the hand of the Lord in Him bringing us back together, and. I mean, she fell in love with me in high school, um, and I fell in love with her in high school. And we'd made big plans and everything, and, and again, we it was just not a healthy relationship. So to come full circle, you know, f- five and a half years later now, um, and to know that we were both, you know, grounded in the Lord and grounded in our faith, and we knew where we wanted to go in life— um, it was a different conversation than it would have been, you know, five years prior, and even you know, probably uh, a year prior to that conversation. So uh, we had kind of built a friendship in in the two or three months um, that we had not had in the two years we dated in high school, mm-hmm. and so there was a sense of um, God was at work. To, to bring us together. And, and that was, I kind of used God on her, you know, if you want to say that. Um, still using God on her uh, 32 years later. Um, but just uh, really seeking the Lord's forgiveness um, because I wronged him. I mean, I was, I was sin. And then, uh, you know, I broke. You know, my trust with both of them. I had to build my trust back. And so, uh, but my first conversation was, um, you know, in, in humility. And um, and she uh, she didn't give in right away. She wanted a few weeks to pray about it. And um, so, and I probably called her mom a couple of times in that time, I confess. And <laughs> Mama, I need you need you to be praying about this. <laughs> you got to get so, that ticket, folks. You, you got to get it. Got to get the mother-in-law gotta ticket. Got to go. Yeah. <clears throat> so. All well, right. Oh. I, I am, I'm also kind of curious, too. I, I like talking about the, their relationship because I feel like there's a lot for us to learn. Yeah. But I'm curious because I when I think of Sheila, and it, it sounds like this is true, she's almost like a, a not, I, and I don't mean this in a negative way, but like a goody two-shoes, just sort of Christian girl mm-hmm. growing up, you know, buttoned up sort of thing very wise and uh knows what she wants sort of thing whereas you're more of like the rock and roller like you said the 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 Mm -hmm. freak and jock put together what was Mm -hmm. um what was that like at least in those earlier years of dating and maybe even in marriage of bringing the the jock and the the nice girl together what was Mm -hmm. what was that like well she you know, there there was brokenness on her side of the family, too. So her mom had MS and uh, when she was eight, went in a wheelchair when she was 12. And then her dad left, and uh, he left the family and uh, actually married another woman. So that's a shared experience you guys had. Yeah. And so um, she had pretty much lived her high school life and first two years, that's why she was later going back to college, because she was staying at home and taking care of her mom. And uh, she literally would sleep with her mom every night because she'd have to turn her into bed, and her mom was paralyzed from her neck down. Wow. So uh, that's where a lot of her, uh, you know, she had to mature at a very early age. Mm. And um, 
And so that's the depth, some of the depth that she has when, mm. you know, people meet her and, you know, it is because, you know, of the um, challenges that she faced. And then her three brother, older brothers, um, kind of, they're, they're all good guys, but, you know, they, they got on with their lives. And so she was there with her mom. And it was a special relationship that God gave her and her mom. So when we got married, um, we did not. We did not have uh, premarital counseling, and that's why I'm, you know, I'm so passionate about it now, and uh, that's why I encourage you guys. Um, but uh, so the first four or five years of our marriage was very difficult. It was very challenging because I had so much baggage that I was bringing in that I had not kind of gone through it with her, and it needed to be gone through with her. Um, and she had just a little bit of baggage that she brought into on her side. But then we had, you know, the, the relationship between her and her mom. And, and at the time, her mom was about 10 minutes away from us uh, in the nursing home. So a lot of our life revolved around her mom. And even where we went to church, it was between us and the church was, her mom was halfway between us and the church. Mm. You had so to we cash those receipts basically. <laughs> yeah. So we could pick her up on Sunday, take her to you know lunch, things like that. But she was a, a big part, but but Mama Wiley would always tell Sheila, she would, you know, we'd get in a fight or something early on and she'd run to the nursing home and go to mom and Mama Wiley would always say, "Honey, you get back to your husband right now and you you talk it out." And you guys work it out. Then you come back over, and you know who knows how many times she did that. And and um, but uh, it was very difficult because uh, I still was a jock, so I played a lot of I, I played travel softball, I played baseball, you know, uh, until I was probably twenty five. I played baseball, um, and. Any, any kind of sport I could do, very involved with college football, big fan, watched it all the time on TV. So I kind of brought that life into our marriage, and we didn't have a lot of shared commonalities together other than church. And um, we were going to school. She was finishing school. I was going at night and working full-time. And so, um, but um, it was, uh, yeah, I would say the first four to five years were really challenging because we just we didn't know God had a plan for marriage. We didn't realize that He had a lot of great principles, a lot of great um, takeaways in His Word that we could have used and would have saved us a lot of. Uh, wouldn't have been perfect, but it certainly would have given us a, a fair playing field, and it would have given us tools to use. Um, to help sharpen one another and sharpen ourselves, and so yeah. Do you do you remember any of those crashing and break or breakthrough points in those early times? Oh yeah, yeah, big what, time. What was the, what was one of the more significant breakthroughs that you guys? Came well, through? the biggest breakthrough was uh, in 1995. Uh, so we had been married seven years. Elise was two years old. We went on staff with Campus Crusade. I quit my job, and uh, we uh, were in Fort Collins, Colorado, at 
new staff training. And Henry Blackaby and Nancy Lee DeMoss was uh, leading our time at night. And it, there was really a revival that broke out among the staff at Crusade. And it was uh, there was probably about 15,000 staff there. And um, it was just a real time of brokenness. And so people just started going down the front. They started confessing their sin, and people were praying over them. And, and, you know, it got to where I think this went on for like three days. So after that first night, God was convicting me like crazy. And I got through it, and, I, you know, and in the next all day I'm going, you know, I got to get out of here. And, and so that night I, we went back to the hotel, and uh, we put Elise down, and um, I've got this excruciating headache, and I'm just fighting. I'm fighting it so hard because I know I need to tell her some stuff that I've not told her. And now we're seven years in, and we're in, you know, and we're on this, we're staff, you know, at this org- ministry, right? So we're supposed to have all our ducks in a row. <laughs> and, uh, and I can remember saying, honey, I'll be back. And I rode around town trying, it was like two in the morning, trying to find aspirin, you know, Tylenol, because my head was just pounding. And I, and I didn't have headaches. I knew what it was. So when I got back, um, I said, honey, I, we got to talk. And it was, it, was the, it was the most nervous I'd ever been in my life. It was just it was spiritual warfare, like, you know, crazy. And I can remember just saying, hey, I need to unload some stuff on you. And uh, she said, well, you know what? I need to share some things with you, too. And that was kind of the confirmation that, okay, this is the Spirit of God at work, and we need to obey the Spirit of God. And that night, she, the way she says it, naked, you know, we were, <laughs> we were naked before the Lord, and <laughs> our, our souls were, uh, they were bare before God. And um, there was nothing hidden anymore in our lives, in our relationship. And it was at that time that, you know, for the next four or five days, the revival was still going on, you know, among our staff. And uh, actually, I I went and prayed with one of my directors and and walked through some stuff to kind of get rid of some of my past bondages. And, um, but um, I can remember, I, I would just cry. I mean, for like four days. I Driving down the road in Fort Collins, I'd just start bawling. I'd never been that totally free. And it was just, it, it, it was an experience that, um, that has helped us um, put confession and repentance at the front, forefront of our lives and in our relationship. And so um, we were one that night. That is a good story. Yeah. I think, Terry, your, your love story with Sheila could be a cinematic masterpiece. Should it, should it, should it go there? Absolutely. I believe so. It could be a southern flick. A southern flick. Yeah. yeah. Or we could Californian, Californianize it. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, we could cast you and Emily as Terry and Sheila. Exactly. Rednecks to Hollywood. Shout out. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, but Terry, thank you for that, that vulnerability. Mm. And I, I mean, I think any newlywed couple, I'm about to be that, I think can take heart by 
knowing that this uh it's a it's a rocky road um it's it definitely has its uh un, you know less pretty sides but kind of you sharing there that faith and that um that willingness of vulnerability which is a i think a leading factor in that and so that's 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 cool and that's encouraging for uh i think for all of us listening mm-hmm. you're on a highway well, I would like to shift gears, Terry, with our last. Um, with As our, we're going down the highway. Yeah, we're going down a highway, so we're gonna <laughs> sh- we're gonna shift gears. Well, well, I don't know. We were at like fifth gear. We'll we'll, we'll take it back to fourth gear. Here. Okay. But um, I do want to just ta- touch uh, a little bit on your life. Um, you mentioned Campus Crusades, but mm. um, I think I mostly like to spend time about how you know, you you've you've lived your life in. Or uh, Orlando in uh, Atlanta, uh, Georgia, and so you you make your way west to uh, a church called Cornerstone, where in 2021 you're harassed by the local mm-hmm. interns and uh, jocks on staff. But um, mm-hmm. but what made what what brought you over here? Um, when did you land the work at Cornerstone? What were you doing when you landed there? Tell talk, talk to us a little bit about what that transition was like for you and your uh, your family. Okay. Well, um, in 2005, uh, 2004, uh, we had been on crusade staff for nine years and every summer we worked with high school students. So every summer we'd go to Myrtle beach and, uh, we'd have a summer conference. And so that summer Francis came and spoke and, uh, and didn't, that's the big Francis Chan. If you're a Christian person and yes. listening, crazy love, you know, unforgotten God. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, what? Francis forgotten Chan. God. Forgotten God. Unforgotten God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he, and he was a pastor at the time of Cornerstone. So yeah, it's the first time I'd ever heard him. I, okay. We hear speakers all the time. Uh, nothing gets Francis on that, but you know, um, and then the following year, uh, Chuck Bomar, who was uh, on staff with Francis, and he was actually over the uh, student and college at Cornerstone. Um, he he was speaking, and Francis was with him. And uh, at the time, uh, you know, there's probably about 11, 1,200 students in this ballroom in Myrtle Beach. And uh, I had recently started working in a inner city school. And so a lot of my students were African-American. And so I had brought, you know, about 100 of them with me, 150 of them, down to this conference this particular summer. And uh, so I'm sitting in the middle of this, you know, auditorium, and we kind of, you know, we stick out, like I stick out like a sore thumb (laughs) because it's pretty much all white kids and then, you know, me and my guys, and then we had an inner city uh, ministry out of Chattanooga and a little bit out of Orlando, too, but, you know. So long story short, I got Chuck, uh, Chuck, you know, he told Francis, he said, I got to go meet that dude, and that was me. You know, I got to, he's got a story. He's with all these, you know, inner city kids. I got to go find out what's going on with him. And so that was the first time I actually had a conversation with Chuck and Francis, and I had Chuck come up and help me lead some rap, what we call rap groups um, at the time. Don't cancel me. <laughs> Terry, uh, you're, not, you're not canceled. Okay. We call them rap groups. Um, and so um, we, 
you know, he led right, he fell in love with the guys. Chuck did. In fact, he grabbed a couple of them and he he sent he was sending them shoes and clothes after he got back to California. And uh you know, poor inner city kids. And uh and anyway, so that was my relationship that started with Chuck and Francis. And fast forward to the next winter, uh, we're having a conference and it's a smaller conference, and Chuck Bomar is our speaker for the weekend. And Chuck had just um, kind of taken a sabbatical from Cornerstone. He was on his way back onto staff uh, at that time. And uh, I was the um, conference director for that particular weekend. And so that meant you just hung out with the speaker the whole weekend. And you made... You what know, a cool job. Yeah. And yeah, you and Chuck. Yeah. And um, our, our band... Um, that was there, which uh, I think it was Jeremy Camp was there. I don't remember who it was, but anyway, um, so we just, we, you know, I was his liaison. We did everything together, and so we just had a blast. And um, about two months after the conference was over, I get a phone call from him, and I'm thinking, crap. He forgot something. I'm going to have to drive up to Tennessee to the camp, pick it up, and you know. And I, he said, "Hey, man, um, would you ever consider coming out and helping us?" And I said, "Help you do what?" You know, the testimony he gave to the kids that weekend was, you know, he wasn't part of the church. He said, "Well, you know, I'm I'm going back on staff, and I'd love for you to come out." And, and so we prayed about it, and I had asked my board. Um, ministry board to pray with us and some dear friends uh, prayed and about a month went by and Chuck called and you know we just didn't feel like it was the timing was right and he didn't either and so I said well Chuck you know one thing I never do I never close you know uh, doors I never say no until I pray about it um, and so if God ever lays you on my heart again feel free to call and uh, so that was March, and then in May, I'm sitting in Orlando, Florida, at our regional conference, our regional leadership. I'm sitting around this table, and there's about 35 of us, and uh, I'd been with a Crusade 11 years to this point, and, and loved what I did, never thought I'd do anything different. And around the table, great group of people. But they were talking about everything that they used to do. And I was one of the few that were, would still just every day I'd go to the high school campus and, you know, I'd interact and do team talks and all that, share my faith there on campus and all that. And I looked at uh, one of our regional directors and I, I said, um, wow, wow. We don't have any fresh stories, do we? And he looked at me, and I'll never forget, he looked at me and said, Terry, he said, most of these people had a decision to make about 10 years ago, and they made it. And at that time, I looked down at my phone, and it was Chuck Bomar. Hmm. Hot dang. So I, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I don't try and, you know, read into every little thing, but I thought, Okay, that was kind of timely. So I waited that after, uh, that evening to call Chuck back, 
And um, I said, hey, man, what's happening? And he said, hey, I, you said I could call you, and I've been talking to some people, and we really want you to come out. And I, I don't want you to pray about it coming out. And so this is May. He said, just come out. We got a week of VBS coming up in June or July. Come on, in June, come on out. And uh, I said, bro, you know, I got to talk to my wife. When I get back, I'm in Orlando right now. And, you know, we had prayed. And so uh, for me to go home and say, hey, honey, we're going to fly out to California. Uh, I need a little time to let that thing land. And uh, so... um, Probably about a week went by, and we said, we'll come. And we came out and um, stayed with the Utleys. Rick and Sherry hey. Utleys. Rick and Sherry Utleys. They're so. always housing people there. They're, they're awesome. Y'all can kind of blame them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, stayed with them and uh, just hung out with everyone. And again, I uh, we were not looking to leave Crusade. Great, uh, great organization. Great experience with them. But we were flying back, and about halfway back, we just, at that moment, we looked at one another and said, what would we do if we didn't come? And so by the time we landed, we said, you know what? We've just, we've got to act like we're going, and we got to just see what God unfolds here. Hmm. And um, we had adopted um, our son, Elijah. Um, At the time, he was uh, two um, no, he was four. I'm sorry. And then we had just got Ella Grace, his sister. And so, in fact, we didn't even have uh, her all her paperwork done uh, in Georgia yet. And so, uh, just Sheila and I came out, and when we got back home, we just said, we, "We've got to, you know, see what God's going to do on this." So I met with my two regional guys. Both of them said, "We think it's the right thing to do." And at Crusade, you know, maybe I, you know, maybe they want to get rid of me. But typically, <laughs> if you can get manpower, you know, that's a hot commodity. Keep it right. Yeah. And so, um, for both of them to say no, we think this is a great move for you guys. Um, and then um, we went back to our couples Bible study group, and we were very close with over the last uh, ten years. Um, and they were very invested in our in, in our lives and um, in adoptions, and they just did life with us for ten years. And they, everyone that uh, took it serious to pray for us, came back and said, "You got to go." Hmm. And so um, I said, "Okay, well." Um, I called Chuck back and said, um, "I guess we're coming." And I said, "But we we agreed that." Uh, you know, we would like at least to start ninth grade and begin the school year. And so now we're, you know, two or three weeks into July. And I said, can we start in August? I need to get her, you know, enrolled in school. And so we, me and her came out. Sheila had to stay in Georgia with Ella Grace because she couldn't leave the state with her and, uh, and Elijah. And so me and uh, Elise came out, moved in with the Elise. Uh, for a couple of weeks. Did you bully Rick? You yes. had You had to have, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Good. <laughs> yep. He introduced me to crumb brulee 
coffee creamer. Oh. Rick, I'm calling you out on that one. That's your soft side, I know. I'm calling, <laughs> I'm calling you out on that one. We know you're listening, Rick. No, Rick, 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 is, Rick is a softie. Yeah. Rick's a softie. I, w- I was actually scared of Rick when the first time I met him. Yeah, he's... Very scared of him. He's got a big growl. He does. But uh, no, he's, he's a softie at the end of the day. Just don't, just don't take the last bit of his crime brulee coffee creamer. Mm. Yeah. I'll so, have to go and steal some of that now that I know. Yeah. <laughs> well, 30 pounds later for me, you know. Uh, yeah, that creme brulee will get you. Oh, and a bad habit. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so, but um, yeah. All right. That's how we got here. Well, Terry, your story of life and your story of, I think, faith and relationships and just, I think, the stories of your life and at least the, the few that you've told, I mean, I'm sure that... I, you, we could have sat here for another four hours. I mean, you worked in the inner city with uh, with Campus Crusade. I know you have more stories. Oh yeah. Than that. <laughs> but in summation, you know, we, we we kind of like to ask this question about inspiration because our goal as the interviewers or as the hosts of this podcast are that we realize that there are a lot of really intriguing stories around us in the in, in in the world we're living in just next door or in this, you know, small 120,000 town called Simi. And so I guess what I would ask you in terms of inspiration are is who has been the most inspiring person in your life? Um in regards to faith or work, but honestly, I think your life is the, um, is the, you've combined those throughout your entire life, work and, uh, you know, how your faith with, uh, your work. And so Dylan, I don't know if you want to add anything to that in the sense of the question, but yeah, like what, who has been inspiring to you? Who's been the most inspiring to you? And yeah. And I, and even adding to that, what nuggets of knowledge or wisdom that, what are those things that you still take with you and keep with you to this day that you've learned from them? Well, I, I, I mean, Jesus is my hero. I mean, mm-hmm. that's a Sunday school answer, but hey, um, when you've walked in my shoes and you've seen the shoes he's walked in, um, you know, he would be the first washing my feet. He would be the first coming to me when I was lying in a ditch that first night I did LSD at 12 years old. Oh, it was LSD. Jesus, yeah. Wow. I was afraid to ask, but yeah. I'm sure you say, but okay. So That's... Jesus would have been the one right there. And so he's he's literally, you know, my hero, and he rescued me. He he literally saved my life. And so um, I've spent, you know, the last 35 years um, learning about him. And the more I learn about him, um, the more I want to be like him. Um God has used so many people in my journey, um, both when I was a, a non-believer and um, when I came to faith. Early on in my faith, uh, there was a, a couple of people. Keith was one of them, the guy who actually led me to the Lord. Um, but uh, there was several people God used. Uh, I can remember. This was funny. I was a you know freak, heavy metal you know guy, and uh, I was dating this other girl, and it was you know, New Year's Eve, and we said, oh, you know, we're going to straighten our lives out, you know, we're going to go back to church. And we're sitting in this Southern Baptist, I mean, this was an independent Baptist, not even Southern Baptist. And uh, 
she said, well, where are we going to go? I go, well, we'll come back here tomorrow. You know, this is where we'll go. And it was, you know, I mean, it was not even, it was read hymn book. It was not even Baptist hymn book. I mean, this was Southern Gospel. Oh, yeah, this was kind of bluegrass. And I just, I can remember saying, God, if this is your music, I didn't know there was Christian music, you know. I said, God, if this is your music, I'm in. I mean, if, (laughs) if if this is the only big hurdle, you know, for what you have done in my life and what you have rescued me from and how much you have shown your love toward me if this is all i gotta give up is heavy metal for this you know and then somewhere along the way i'm sure i burned you know all my great albums i wish i had now but um, (laughs) so that would be a nugget don't go legalistic uh find the grace of jesus through the word of god and uh and 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 follow him Mm. not people Mm. but along the way God will bring people into your life that you do need to follow. And um, there have been seasons, I, you know, probably my closest friend, uh, Wayne Lewis, who uh, we've been friends since 91, um, and been through a lot of life together. Um, but he's probably my, my biggest uh, fan. And, and uh, I've got a lot of friends and uh, fans back in fans, uh, friends and encouragers back in Georgia and out here too. Um, God has used this season in my time at Cornerstone, both with you guys, young uh, and older uh, people. I could probably name, you know, a couple of dozen people that have impacted our lives in 14 years of being out here. Um, And uh, everybody from um, those that I work with on a you know daily basis, to those that I serve with, to uh, those that have opened their families in into the thirty-something people that I've married, to, you know thirty-something families that you know I've sat by the casket and did funerals, and just so many experiences that I've had over the last fourteen years, the lives that I've seen come to faith. Uh, been able to lead a lot of people to Jesus out here, um, and I, I would I would say that uh, probably the greatest thing I can tell you is um, I, I don't want to give my sermon. I don't want to preach you my sermon. Preach it, brother. That I'm, <laughs> preach it, Terry. That I'm preaching There's on any Sunday. Time to preach it <laughs> but um, you know, uh, Jesus is who He says He is. And he's worth every every day of our life. He's worth every breath that we take. And he is faithful. Um, and and I know that there are times where we'll go through questioning our faith. There are times when we'll go through doubts. Um, and, you know, we'll doubt the second coming. We'll doubt his presence in our life. We'll sin and we'll, we'll um, you know, really... Uh, prevent the Spirit of God from working in our life and until we confess and repent of that sin. But um, I would say, you know, apart from Him, the gift of the Holy Spirit that mm. God has given us, that we can, it's not unattainable now to be like Christ because the Spirit of God lives within us. And He gives us the ability to be like Jesus. And so... 
Don't ever underestimate the power of God through his spirit and his word. And don't ever give up uh, on Jesus because he's never given up on us. Hmm. And so. Well, Terry, it's a great note to end on right there. You are a, you're a scholar, a wise man, and a legend. Maybe maybe, uh, maybe a bit more than that, too. But uh, a good friend, we could say. Yes. And on that note, thank you, everyone, who's listened up to this point. And I'll end it by saying, go find your authors of inspiration. Good night. <laughs>